0: Chapters 37 and 38 of Out of the Shadow by Rose Gollop Cohen. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 37 Mother did not come out of the room that day. In the morning I was awakened by hearing her moaning. I lit the lamp and went in and looked at her. Her face was red, and her chest rose and fell rapidly. For the first time this morning, Father looked really discouraged when he left the house. After the two older children went to school, I tucked the little ones into one of the cots to play. Every day they remained in bed more willingly and played more quietly. I gave mother some water and milk and went in to ask our front neighbour what I could do for mother. She said she would see that a doctor came and made me understand that there were doctors who treated without a fee. And then she added, As long as your mother is ill, you need not fear that the landlord will put you out. It is against the law. I ran to mother with the good news. When I told her she looked at me as if she did not understand, so I explained. It is a law in America that when you are sick... Mother turned her face to the wall and gave an unpleasant chuckle which ended in a sob. The doctor came at three o'clock in the afternoon. I lit the lamp and showed him into the sick room. He stopped in the middle of it, looked about at the walls and the ceiling and shrugged his shoulders. After he examined mother he shrugged his shoulders again. Finally, he wrote out a prescription, said crossly that he would come again the next day at ten o'clock, and went away. When father came home in the evening and I told him that the landlord could not put us out, he told me to use the money which the lodgers had just paid us for the medicine and bread and coal. Mother grew worse. All day I walked from the children's cot to her room, where a little lamp burned steadily now, and then back to the children's cot. I felt as though I were in a nightmare. I never remembered mother ill before she was the strongest in our family and now to see her lying so still with her eyes closed and not even moaning filled me with terror the doctor came every morning at ten o'clock he did not tell me what her illness was and i dared not ask every day he would sit down on the bed make me hold the lamp so that the light fell on her face and sit looking at her and i watched his face and hers and tried to understand Sometimes I saw mother trying to rouse herself from her stupor. She would give her head a shake as if she were trying to shake something off. I could hear her teeth close tightly and her chin seemed to square a little. Then she would open her eyes and I saw for a moment a steady, determined look. I had often seen her so when she had something to overcome. I understood that this was the fight in her. I remembered the same look when she was planning father's escape from the constable in Russia and i recalled seeing it one snowy stormy night when one of the children woke up choking with the croup and she could not get anyone to go for the doctor the road lay through a thick wood and wolves had been seen there so she wrapped herself in a shawl tucked up her skirt took a staff and started at dawn she returned struggling through the snow in front of the man making a path for him i noticed that the doctor always looked pleased when he caught this expression Gradually I began to understand that he depended on the fighting spirit in her, and I too began to look for it. Beside the doctor two other people came every day, the landlord and the young man, our lodger's friend. The landlord was a gentle, quiet, prosperous-looking old man with a white moustache. He wore fine black clothes, black gloves, and a high silk hat. It was strange to see him among us, As long as we had some money to pay he came every week and inquired whether father was working but now that we had nothing to give he came every day he would knock gently on the door come in on tiptoes and ask quietly and cheerfully and how is your mother this morning when i told him the same he would give a short nod and tiptoe out with his head bent a little lower i used to look forward to his coming he was the only person who came among us that did not show suffering i used to wish he would stay a little and talk to me the young man would come in ask about mother and then sit down on a chair near the window from where he could see the whole house and sit watching me as i went from mother to the children and then back to her once aunt masha came she was dressed in an old brown dress which in better days she had discarded she stayed a little while gave the children a thorough washing and went away I believe now that she must have come more than this once, but this time is the only one I can recall during this period. One day, a well-dressed, strange young man came in. He made sure of our name at the door, and then came and sat down at the window, opened a little book, and began to question me about my family, my father's name, his trade, how long he had been out of work, how much he had earned, how long mother had been ill, and so on. As I was answering his questions, I was in agony of fear, "'wondering whether this had anything to do with the landlord "'and whether, after all, we would be thrown out into the street. "'He stopped for a few minutes, "'and I sat down on the cot closer to the children. "'The young man continued, "'Where does your doctor come from?' "'From Essex Street Dispensary.' "'Do you need anything?' "'I stared at him. "'He looked up and asked over again patiently. "'Do you need anything?' "'Do we need anything?' I could not believe I heard right. It seemed such a strange question, and I did not answer, and he repeated the question in Yiddish. I finally did understand, and I heard myself say, No. Still thinking that I did not understand, he asked, Do you need any clothes? I shook my head. Do you need any shoes? He looked at mine. No, I said. Do you need any food? No. Have you everything? everything i repeated but i could not look at him he wrote rapidly for a few minutes and then he went away i went into mother and bent over her thinking that perhaps i could tell her about it the heat beat from her body and her eyes were closed i touched her and she opened them and when i looked into them i knew she would not understand in the evening when father was home our neighbour brought in four dollars A strange young man left it, she said, and the next day there was a half-ton of coal. Friday came. Even now, as I look back, it seems to me that weeks had passed since Mother fell ill, and yet it might have been only days. This morning she lay in deep unconsciousness and the doctor spent a longer time looking at her. After I got the children to play quietly in a corner, I began to prepare for the Sabbath. There was little to prepare as there was no cooking to do. I polished our candlesticks, which we had bought here, and scrubbed the floor in the large room, and then began to wash up the floor in the sick room. The light of the tiny lamp hanging on the wall only seemed to increase the gloom. How I wished, as I crept about on my hands and knees, that mother would wake and see how industrious I was, how I was tormented for ever having hurt her. Late in the afternoon our lodger's friend came. When I looked at him I was shocked and I knew that he had been to the missionaries he was dressed in new clothes from head to foot and his face was clean shaven he stood still with his back against the door for a moment and his face reddened as i stood staring at him he asked his usual question about mother and took his seat at the window and as if to try his first sermon he began to upbraid me for my pale face and red eyes saying that mother would get well much sooner if i were more cheerful also i ought to cheer up for the sake of the children A girl almost fourteen years old ought to know better, and so on. I bought two candles for a cent. I had a cent for candles, for we could go without bread, but not without consecrating candles. I cut them in half to make four and placed them into the candlesticks. When it grew dark, I lit them, gave one to each of the children, and we all walked and stood beside mother's bed. It took us a long time to rouse her. We had to repeat again and again, Mother, this is Friday night at last she opened her eyes and looked at all our faces one after the other and when she realized what we wanted her to do she raised her hands but instead of the usual prayers the words came god have pity on my children at midnight i tumbled out of the cot thinking that i heard her calling when father and i bent over her we saw that a change had taken place her face was paler and was wet with perspiration medicine she made out the word with her lips Father gave it to her, and then she told us, in that voiceless way of the sick, that she dreamt her father, who had been dead a long while, came and brought her a bottle of medicine. Father's face lit up with joy. Thank God, he said. That was a good dream. When the doctor came the next day, and when he looked at mother, a smile lit up his cross face. Another doctor was with him. Look at this, our doctor said, pointing to the ceiling and walls and she has pulled through in this room god she must have a constitution of iron with his usual gruffness the doctor now ordered chicken soup milk and wine for mother and only now father went and told our neighbor openly of our difficulties she advised him hesitatingly to go and apply at eighth street eighth street was how we referred to the united hebrew charities monday morning after eating some bread father started for eighth street He returned in the evening empty-handed and sick with humiliation. When he reached the building there was already a long line of people. He stood all day waiting for his turn. He was nowhere near the window when the place closed. Next morning he left at dawn. The day passed and it was dark when we heard his footsteps in the hall. When he opened the door we saw a pair of chicken feet sticking out of the bag. Father sat down at the table and wept like a child. Chapter 38 Now it was Sister who was supporting the family. She ran errands for the women on the block and minded the babies. She was eleven years old and small for her age, but no one who looked at her face hesitated to trust her. Sometimes a mother would leave her children with her and go out to work. And Sister would tidy up the house, dress and feed the children and keep them out. Often when I ran out for something i met her in the street wrapped in a woman's coat and carrying one little one on her back while two or three others were at her side her freckled small nose looked pinched but she would look up so bravely with her soft grey eyes as she stood slightly bent under her burden and in the evening she would bring home a few nickels one night she was taken to a wedding to take care of two children the next day we two stood at the window and she was telling me all about it that hour impressed itself on my memory it was cold and raining but there was a good fire in our stove father as usual now was out looking for work the boy was in school mother still a convalescent was lying on a cot napping the two little ones were playing quietly in a corner and we too were at the window what she had seen would have seemed wonderful to her at any time in her present half fed state and in the same worn little plaid dress in which she had come from russia she had been almost overcome by the sight of the splendors her eyes were big and in her voice there was still expression of awe as she described the immense hall the lights the bride in her white lace veil and train the bridegroom with a white flower in his buttonhole as the children in her care were only two and four years they soon grew tired of running up and down the slippery floor so she had to go early to the little retiring room at the back of the hall this room was almost dark there was a little table and a couch on the couch, a few children were already sleeping, so she sat down on the floor opposite the door with one child in her lap, pillowed the other against her side, and sat and rocked them. She sat rocking them all through the night. The children weighed heavily against her, but sometimes, when she could raise her head a little, she watched the dancers passing the door. "'The women look so beautiful,' she said, in pink or blue or white silk, and their hair shone as they danced by.' When the music was low, I could hear them laughing. They looked so happy. She looked thoughtfully for a moment into the yard. The rain was splashing down on the red roofs of the toilets. From a line, a few pieces of clothes were flapping. I wonder, she said, how it feels to be happy. Soon after this, the agent came again and told mother that she had a place for me. This time, mother had to let me go. I did not mind going it was not only that we were in dire need i wanted to know how it felt to be a servant also how the rich people lived there was no doubt in my mind that the family where i was going would be rich how else could they keep a servant i packed a few things into a newspaper and mother went with me to the door she neither cried nor spoke but when i looked at her i knew that she was suffering we all felt as if i were going a great distance away I kissed the children and sister ran out and watched me from the stoop as i walked away with the agent this family also lived on clinton street near brougham their name was corlove mrs corlove was a tall angular woman with a yellowish complexion and sharp grey eyes she engaged me for two months and i was to receive six dollars for the first month and seven for the second when the agent was gone she told me that the baby whom she was rocking was two weeks old and that the floors were dirty because there had been a party the day before then she gave me an old skirt and told me where to find a pail and brush there were three rooms the kitchen and bedroom had windows looking into a courtyard but it was as dark in there as in our windowless bedroom at home and i had to scrub them by gaslight when i was through mrs corlove looked under the bed and into the dark corners of the kitchen and i saw that she was pleased there were six people in the family besides mr and mrs corlove and their three children mrs corlove's brother lived with them I sat down to supper with them at the table. There was soup, meat, potatoes, and a heaping plate full of bread. I felt almost overcome at the smell and abundance of the food. But I clasped my hands in my lap and waited for the others to begin. At the first mouthful, I remembered that there was nothing but bread at home, and I could not swallow. Directly after the dishes were put away, Mrs. Corlove gave me two old quilts and a pillow, and showed me how to make a bed of chairs in the kitchen. This room connected the bedroom and the front room, where a flaring gas light burned and the family sat up talking. I heard the clock strike eleven when they went to bed. This was Wednesday night. I fell asleep thinking that I would ask Mrs. Corla for half of my wages the first thing in the morning and take it home so that Mother could use some of it for the Sabbath. The next day I rose early and worked all day. I swept and dusted, polished the stove and the candlesticks. I washed some of the clothes and prepared the vegetables for supper and all the time i kept thinking about the money could not get up courage to ask so i kept putting it off from minute to minute each new piece of work i began i told myself when i get through with this i'll surely ask so the day passed and again it was after supper i felt disgusted with myself i realized that i was capable of putting it off forever it occurred to me that i must do it suddenly without giving myself time to think as this thought came i fairly ran into the kitchen where mrs corlove was and asked her breathlessly will you please give half of my wages in advance she looked at me hard and said she would talk it over with her husband soon i was called into the front room i stood before them and they both looked at me mrs corlove said you may take the money to your people saturday my heart sank and i stood without being able to say a word then i heard mr corlove ask Do you want it sooner his voice was kind i nodded my head he took a roll of bills from his pocket counted off six dollars and gave it to me i crammed it into my hand and hastened into the kitchen where my little shawl hung on a nail i wrapped it around my head and shoulders and ran out i could have sung for joy as i went half running half walking i held my hand with the money against my breast under the shawl i had never had so much money in my possession What will mother buy? I wondered. Perhaps meat and a sabbath loaf and candles? I could see them all sitting around the table, covered with a white cloth and bright with the candlesticks and the lights, and I could hear father saying grace over the white loaf. I went into the house without knocking. Everything looked so strange to me, as though I had been away a long time. The lamp in the bracket burned dimly and was smoking a little, and there seemed so little life. I could not help comparing this home with that other brightly lit cheerful home. The children came running to meet me at the door. I felt their loving arms about me, and mother, both frightened and glad, asked, What is the matter? You are all out of breath. Then I opened my hand and showed them what I had. End of chapter 38